business with Jonathan Healy. Hi there and thanks for joining us coming up on this episode. It's the return of the jazz finally back in all of its musical glory. We're also going to find out why the Everyman Theatre on McCurtain Street is absolutely hopping. But first we're going to talk about clothing. Living in a house full of brothers in the 1980s, I know all about hand-me-down clothes. It's not so much a thing nowadays with many fast fashion options available to parents getting out their kids. But our next guests have a vision for something that is very, very different. Orla and Aoife Lynch from Kinsale, co-founders of Fur Kale. You're very welcome to Red Business. How are you? Very good. Thanks for having us. It's great to have you on. Loads of lovely pictures of you uh, down on the beach uh, recently as you were launching this particular clothing range. Orla, you might tell us just exactly what's different about the products that you produce. Um, Well, I think there's a couple of things, but the hemp is definitely our main uh, USB. (laughs) Um, It's just so unique, I think, still in the market. Um, Not everybody is using it yet, even though we think... It is definitely going to be the next um, option for sustainability in clothing, for sure. Um, I think it's just all the benefits of it is just um, unique. (laughs) Um, But unfortunately, it's not readily available very much yet. Um, But I think the market is getting there. Mm. Um, We are also plastic free in both our clothing and everything else, all our packaging, um, which I think is probably still unique as well i think people are moving that way but um we just said we had to be 100 <laughs> percent um and then our clothing as well we were like you know you don't have to give up style with sustainability um so we just wanted something that we genuinely would be excited to buy um and something that is a staple um that you could hand down or use hopefully for years okay and now i'm not sure how much hand-me-downs went on in, in the lynch household Eva, did you get many of orders clothes growing up or was it the other way around <laughs> well it was the other way around um Jonathan. i was the eldest so i got all the new stuff <laughs> yes and you're and you're, and you're still glowing yes yeah, still gloating about that which uh, yeah, is good it. now if i hear hemp for some reason i think thick green, almost wool-like substance, but I'm very wrong looking at the pictures of your product. Yeah, yeah. No, it's um, it's really soft. And um, we have used like a high percentage of hemp in the majority of our products because we want to keep that durability and the longevity and the strength of hemp. Um, but we have mixed in a little bit of cotton just to give that little bit of softness to it as well. So it has a lovely soft feel to it. Um, and hemp does over time soften um, with uh, like uh, over its lifetime. But the cotton um, initially kind of just gives it that little bit of softness that people do expect. So um, it's just a nice combination. And um, yeah, we just feel like, you know, I think people really like it as soon as they touch it and feel it and wear it. Um, you really it is just a unique fabric yeah. and it just it's a lovely feel off it. Yeah. And, and or- Orla, where did the green streak in ye come from? I'm presuming that, you know, you both didn't automatically arrive at this. This is something that you hold very dear. Yeah, you know, I know it must kind of be in the genes, I think. Um, we were saying because our sister is also in sustainability. Um, I think it's from our parents, really. Um, and they were always so conscious of waste 
Um, like our mom would have been driving to the recycling center on the weekends, even when we were young, which back then was probably quite unique. Um, I think it's coming from an Irish farmer background and our dad was from a local grocer. So they just always were taught kind of by Irish, by local. Um, and I, I, there was something with our mom. She just always, it was the overpackaging used to always really annoy her. And even I think before people even realized that that was even an issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was spotting a, a trend that the rest of us took a long time to get to. But Aoife, when yeah. you're looking at this now, um, the, the way you're doing it, the, making these clothes sustainable, making them last, how confident are you that people will buy into that? Because we've almost been conditioned to the fast fashion, to the something that you might wear maybe five times, maybe ten times and then get rid of because that's not what yeah. you're creating here. No, it's not. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's trying to educate people now and we really do need to get out and start meeting customers face to face to really show them the fabric and and just show them like the feel of it and the look of it. And like, And I think it's a product that people will buy and it might take time for people to realize this because uh, it is a product that will last. And I think in a year or two years time, we're going to get people coming back to us saying, oh, wow, my T-shirt is still perfect and it's brilliant and it's even better than it was when I bought it initially. So it might be a slow burner um, for us, but I think we just need to keep at it Mm. and try and get that feedback from our customers is going to be really important for us. And longer term Orly you might explain for kale F-I-R-K-A-I-L there's a significance to the name as well isn't there um, it is it is for us anyway um, we are back and forth with a lot of names but it's just it's somewhere that means something to us and do you know the more we looked around we were like that's all that really matters I think we it it's something that inspires us um, and somewhere that inspires us. So we were just, we hope that that will come true in the company as well for us. Okay. Well, it's online now, so if people can go and visit the online store, and then there's other places they're going to be able to see the products as well. So talk us through that, Eva. Yeah, so we're planning on some pop-ups, and we're going to have one in Kinsale very soon in the, in the coming few weeks in one of the stores in Kinsale. They're also quite um, focused on sustainable products, so we'll fit in there quite well. And um, and then we're hoping um, over the next few months to do some more around the country. So um, still to be decided, but we're going to be we'll be announcing them on Instagram over the next few weeks and months okay. and try and get out and meet people. Yeah. Well, look, we, we'll keep the hand-me-downs going, lads. It's, it's no harm to do yeah. it in the current environment. And, and a T-shirt that gets better with age, I like the sound of F-I-R-K-A-I-L dot I-E, Furkale dot I-E. And keep an eye out for them with those pop-up shops. Aoife and Orla Lynch, co-founders of Furkale. Thank you so much for joining us on Red Business. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jonathan. The countdown is officially on to the 44th Guinness Cork Jazz Festival following the launch this week, promising a stellar programme lineup and even new venues. The festival once again takes over the October Bank Holiday weekend in style. And here to tell us more about this year's restrictions free woohoo event are the festival director, Mark Murphy, and Fiona Collins, chair of the Cork Jazz Festival Committee. You're both very welcome to Red Business. How are you, folks? Good, Jonathan, and yourself? No restrictions. Okay. I mean, it's almost exciting uh, that we can actually go out and enjoy the jazz <laughs> as nature intended. 
as nature intended. I'm very much looking forward to it, Jonathan, as is everyone else across the city, I think. Um, you know what a good weekend it is is for the city business-wise, spend-wise, even visitor-wise. Um, or hope that we're expecting, you know, back to kind of like pre-COVID numbers of about 30 to 40,000 visitors back into the city. Um, so that's going to be great. And, you know, the city has changed slightly during COVID. We now have so many outside venues that we can take advantage of, which is just really, really great. And people will have that different vibe in the city. And that, I suppose, if you want to say it, that party vibe back in the city for the October weekend. So we're very much looking forward to it. The, the city has changed so much in the last two years. I mean, we we did have a festival last year. It just wasn't the, the yeah. full festival, what might people people might describe as the full festival. But even that <laughs> outdoor element added to it last year, didn't it? So that we can really build oh, on that. Outdoor, absolutely. The outdoor element is always phenomenal because it just, for me, it adds to the atmosphere over the weekend. And that's what made it, I think, last year. People still got a vibe that the festival was on. They were able to be outside, be safe. But they got, they got to hear and experience the jazz. And that's just so wonderful. So we have that back again this year. The stage will be on Emmett Place. We will have our marching bands back on the streets. Um, and you have the different outdoor venues as well that will be trying to take advantage of, of, of that outdoor element and be able to perform out there. Mm. So it just uh, and it adds to the visitor experience for me. Um, when people come for the jazz, they get to experience Cork as a tourist destination. And for me, that's a really that's a really strong thing to be able to say. And, you know, hopefully we'll have the same goal for, for Cork as we do. Yes, and, and what's not to like? I mean, if they don't like it, surely. It's, it, that's, like, that, exactly. that's on them, Fiona, not on us. Uh, Mark, from, yeah, exactly. from a director's point of view, um, I mean, I, I suppose there isn't an overall theme as such, but what, what are you looking to bring this year? Well, just wanted to bring it back to being like an internationally renowned festival with, you know, quality jazz music intertwined through all the venues in the city and bringing a kind of freshness to it as well. So we're adding like kind of pop-up events, new venues, like we're doing an art gallery in St. Peter's Church, which will be debuting uh, to the world a photographic exhibition for Chuck Stewart, who is one of the greatest jazz photographers of all time. We have pop-up events, possible boat rides, um, uh, late night jazz clubs. So yeah, just er- er- everything that you'd expect from Cork and a bit more as well for this year. Yeah, because normally when people think of the jazz festival, and in years gone by, you had it in the hotels, there would have been mus- live music in the pubs. I mean, dare I suggest that we are even bringing more jazz than previously brought to the city? There's definitely a sharper focus on the jazz programming this year. Um, and yeah, there's the, the the music will be, I, w- I would like to think the the kind of best lineup that has, that has been since uh, we can remember. Mm. So who have we got then? I mean, what, what jazz artists are coming well, that's, that are exciting you in particular? Well, there's a there's a gentleman called Hermeto Pascoal from Brazil, and he would be 85 years of age. In the 70s, Miles Davis cited him as the greatest walking musician on the planet. So he performs in the Everyman as a matinee show on Sunday the 30th. So that would be something that I'm very excited about. He hasn't performed in Ireland in over 20 years also. Um, 30 years ago, on July 7th in Parky Cueve, one of the greatest artists of all time performed Prince with his band, The New Power Generation. And we're really happy to be bringing The New Power Generation with all original members to the Opera House for our big show on Saturday the 29th of October. Um, so that's a huge, huge event. We have other artists like Denise Chyla performing, we have um, Jerron Blind Boy Paxton, who plays old ragtime blues. 
um, jigs and stuff like that. We have Shayon Kuti with his father's band, Egypt 80, one of the greatest artists Africa's ever produced. We have Gogo Penguin. We have Lofi. And every, all the information is up on guinnesscourtjazz.ie. Okay. If anyone needs to find out yeah. the full listing of the programme. All the information there. Fiona, just back to you briefly, if we can. Um, hospitality had a nightmare uh, with COVID. Everything was locked down. But at the same time, um, you know, they've it's come back strong. We've got incredible yeah. venues. We've got incredible business people. We've spoken to a lot of them on the podcast. It, it really has the potential to to make a, what has been a good year for them to date even better. Even better. Yeah, absolutely. That's the hope. Um, you know, there's such a spend in the city over the, over the jazz weekend. Um, it just adds to everyone. And look, I'm hoping hospitality will, will definitely get some of that um, between the hotels, bedrooms um, um, are definitely nearing nearing booking out, is my understanding. Um, and the pubs are really looking forward to welcoming people back for the jazz weekend, um, people that they may not have seen in a while. So, uh, So that's a really important element. Okay, well, we look forward to catching up with you guys again as we get closer to that all-important October bank holiday weekend. The website is guinnesscorkjazz.ie. Mark Murphy, Festival Director, Fiona Collins, Chair of the Festival Committee. Thanks so much for joining us on Red Business. Thank Thank you, you. Jonathan. Take care. Our next guest and his team had to close their bricks and mortar business for nine months last year, like so many other businesses in the city. But unlike others, new figures show that this particular place managed to increase turnover by 30% in 2021. To find out how, we're joined by board member of the Everyman Theatre, Barney Whelan. Barney, you're very welcome to Red Business. How are you? Thank you very much, Jonathan. Yeah, we had a good year in 21 and Despite the fact that we had assumed that we wouldn't be able to program anything live at all in 2021, um, but we we and we weren't expecting that we'd be able to present the Cork Jazz Festival, comedy, or any other full capacity performances during that year. But we did um, we did present a digital program where which paid local artists to record performances and then we broadcast them and that was a wonderful piece too so and the other thing that happened was that the general public were very generous and we received a significant increase in in donations while the building was closed but but while it was closed it didn't mean we were closed for business because um we we had um a lot of artists using the theatre space to develop and rehearse their own works, whether that was in person or online. And then we also had our own staff there available to give guidance or direction uh, for them as they were doing all that type of work. There must have been a fear at some point, though, Barney, that this is exceptionally bad given the industry that we're in. If we can't get people through the door, the theatre therefore doesn't exist. It's, It's nothing without an audience. Were you worried? Um, I have to say the best example of that is the the panto, which for the for the Everyman Theatre is a huge deal, um, because we can we can put on high art uh, at other times of the year, sometimes at a loss, and the panto makes up for it. But it was I worried. It was like as if we were standing on the cliffs of Moher, looking down <laughs> and seeing would we be able to stay up and. Um, it, we for the panto uh, season we we met every single week 
and we were looking at the production, the cost of rehearsals, uh, and uh, all against a backdrop of, of great uncertainty in relation to COVID restrictions. And then we, start, we decided we'd go for it, and then we started. And then we were watching the, the numbers every day and the various restrictions happening, and we managed to get to the time where we broke even. That was a great day of, um, of celebration. And then we, we continued on. But, but remember, at that time, there was a new, there was a new restriction brought in of, of a curfew at 8 o'clock in the evening. It, right. it sounds surreal now to me, uh, but that was for real, as well as restricted numbers of audiences, you know, so... It's it's funny but, it's funny though that the the public stuck with you. Uh, I mean, the the idea of donations coming into a closed theatre, people sitting at home watching things online, artists continuing to perform. As you say, it's completely and utterly alien to think about it now with the theatre open uh, as many nights as you can have it, and, and the place packed to the rafters. We will be looking back uh, it, when we're writing all of our memoirs and including <laughs> this period as being. Can you imagine that we lived through that? Oh yeah, yeah, completely. And there was there were some innovations happened. Not only did we purchase the equipment to do the broadcast online at top quality, but we had to train our people to do that. Um, but but we also got some uh, support from Cork City Council to do the Everyman Outdoors, which was out at uh, Elizabeth Fort last summer, and that allowed us to and. So again, the planning bit, um, we we were going through it and all of a sudden the restrictions allowed us to double the capacity of the audience from 50 to 100. And um, But that allowed us to employ 35 Cork artists uh, and it also made a small profit. Great. So that was something that we, that was something we never would have thought of, but actually adversity brings that sort of yeah, thing into it. Yeah, it came heads. in your favour. Now, the only thing is you have done a terrible disservice to the people of Cork by encouraging Reggie um, with, with the run that he had. Uh, and, and, and now, of course, the man has, has no barriers whatsoever. In fact, to the point at which he's nearly, he's nearly coming back, Barney. I mean, you have to take some responsibility uh, for the man on the Black Rock Road. I'm completely happy to do that because he helped us greatly. And He's coming back in uh, in October, I, I think. Uh, yeah, October. Um, yeah. But, but, but you know, um, what we we also uh, saw Joanne McNally arise out of pandemic podcasts, and she's uh, she was a phenomenal success for us. And um, and again this year now she's going to come back in September. And um, but we also at the other end of the scale. We also have a play called The Steward of Christendom with Owen Rowe, which uh, Jim McCann did a long time ago. He did such a powerful job of this particular play that nobody thought that it had ever could ever be put on again. But it's just finishing its run in Dublin to wonderful reviews, and it's coming to the Everyman again in uh, in early September. Okay. So, um, uh, yeah, and we've all the jazz coming there as well, which we heard about from yeah. the guys at the Guinness Jazz Festival. It's a remarkable turnaround considering the adversity that you faced. What's the website if people want to have a look and see if there's anything that might catch their eye? Yeah, well, there's loads of diverse stuff, and it's all on everymancork.com.
Uh, everymancork.com Bernie Whelan yeah. board member of the Everyman Theatre continued success and thanks to everybody uh, who has been helping the Everyman uh, during the, that very difficult time Bernie we'll talk to you again thank you Jonathan bye bye Finally, before we go, if you're part of a software startup enterprise and you're interested in a fantastic Cork-based incubator programme, then listen up. Our friends over at the Republic of Work are taking applications for the next round of Teamwork Catalysts. Now, that is the body that has provided close to 40 SaaS startups with the opportunity to learn from other businesses. And successful applicants get access to Republic of Work and their member network and all the facilities that are there. James Flynn won the award for best pitch at the Teamwork Catalyst Demo Day earlier this month. He's here to tell us about what he's doing and why other people could benefit from Teamwork Catalyst. How are you doing, James? Very good, thanks. How are you yourself? I'm very well, thank you. Tell us about Connect More. Uh, so Connect More is a software platform that basically tells any business in the world what to post on social media based on what works well for other similar businesses with similar target audiences. Okay, so that that's useful uh, because the world of social media is alien to lots of businesses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, usually it's kind of nice for us. The only two questions we often have to ask businesses uh, do you want to improve your social media and do you have competitors? And most businesses say yes to both those questions. So <laughs> you're, nice in, you're in. Uh, now, as I said, if only dating was as easy as that, uh, but you're, you've gotten quite exactly. good at the pitch then, which is, I can see why you, you won best pitch. Was it a little nerve wracking <laughs> to have to stand up and condense your business like that? Um, it was a small bit, you know, but uh, I've been at this close to two years now, kind of from the idea stage to building the initial product and you know getting up to the point where we've paying customers now so along the way i've probably done over 100 pitches uh most of them over zoom to be fair in the last couple of years so it's a bit of a bit different doing it in person but i managed fine i suppose and and how is how is it to be back in the real world because you know you were you were in a forced situation on zoom have you have you, you're trying to control the hands you're doing jazz hands is there powerpoint presentations <laughs> well, how does it work yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a weird sensation getting used to the jazz hands on Zoom, you know, because you want to get your hands up into the frame, so you're nearly putting them in front of your face, uh, compared to standing on stage just talking like a normal human. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's nice to be on stage, actually, because you actually get feedback from people, um, as opposed to on Zoom, you're kind of talking into the abyss, and you can't really get feedback. Mm-hmm. Sit up on a stage, you can see the reaction of people's faces, make eye contact, all that stuff, so it's nice that way. And the Teamwork Catalyst program, why did you get involved, and what have you been taking from it? Um, so Teamwork Catalyst, uh, I guess I originally heard about it through, I was in the Enterprise Ireland New Frontiers program a couple of years ago. Um, so one of the participants on that program, it's like an entrepreneurial start program. They give advice to when you're kind of at an idea stage for a business. Um, one of the people on that program was in Teamwork Catalyst at the time and she mentioned it to the group and then I started looking into it and obviously Teamwork are, are a great core company, a uh, really good reputation and then basically the kind of the key thing they called RA initially was the the free office space. They're public work for the six months. Okay, and the free coffee, which you get there as well. That's 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 thrown in there just for good measure. And you're flying it since. So James, when is your plan for world domination? Um, as soon as possible. Um, but I suppose we're looking at getting over like fifty k in monthly sales by the end of next year, anyway. Um, and in the meantime, we're just trying to prove a bit more. It's called product market fit get a bit more traction and kind of solidify the whole sales process. Okay, where can people find that? What's the website? Uh, so if you go to connectmore.io, um, so that's connect more like the Irish for big. Uh, it was originally MO Fada or, but Americans are terrified of uh, Fadas. <laughs> so we had to get rid of the Fada to go to the States. Uh, but if you go to connectmore.io forward slash red business, actually, 
there's a we're doing an offer for anyone listening to the podcast. You get fifty percent off for your first couple months of the platform. Oh, look at you! That, that's that's a good way of marketing. You're, you're good at this pitching thing. Keep at it, James Flynn, <laughs> um, winner of the best pitch at the Teamwork Catalyst Demo Day. Best of luck to you and everybody at Connect More as you move forward. Uh, applications for the next cohort of Team Catalyst are open until September the fourth. Full details are at republicofwork.com. That's it from this episode of Red Business. Thank you so much for listening. Kira McDonough was the producer as always. Don't forget the video series. Red Business in Focus is also live right now on redfm.ie. We will catch you on the next one. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts.